Welcome to Guarding Your Everything is bigger in Texas. It is now for sure that Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla and SpaceX, has left California for the Lone Star State. He said his move is mainly because of COVID restrictions, but knowing how business savvy he is, it's likely that this has more to do with the difference in state taxes. He told the Wall Street Journal's CEO Council recently. There's a lot of things that are really great about California. Obviously, it's the biggest economy in the country. Most of them are people. Um, you know, going back to the sort of sports team analogy, like if a, if a team has been winning for too long, they do tend to get a little complacent, a little entitled, and then they don't win the championship anymore. So California has been winning for a long time. And I think they're taking it for granted a little bit. So what does an entrepreneur of his caliber believe the role of government should be when it comes to American business? I mean, a lot of the time, the best thing that government can do is just get out of the way. Yes, and amen, please. <laughs> That's a very conservative philosophy. I let know. government get out of the way. That's not a very uh, liberal philosophy. And so... Maybe um, he's a libertarian. I don't think who he knows, is, but that's but, a libertarian mindset. But, Mike, it's not that simple. And we're also not billionaires listening today. We're on conservative talk radio stations. Yeah, we don't want to pay a lot in taxes. But we can relate to the frustration of local and federal taxes chipping away at our hard-earned money. So... You're a financial advisor. You're a fiduciary. You have accountants and CPAs on the team. What can we do to make sure that we aren't paying more than our fair share when it comes to our assets? Well, again, uh, you know, this example of, of Elon Musk moving the company. And I mean, I remember very specifically, I'm sure some of our listeners do, when he made that statement of the state of California, mm-hmm. you know, hey, listen, I'm going to have my workers go back to work. And uh, I'm paraphrasing here, I don't have the exact quote, but it's basically, we're going back to work. And if you don't like it, I'm going to move my whole company somewhere else. And it turns out, well, <laughs> he's moving the company to Texas, which makes sense if you take a look at the tax situation. Mm-hmm. And it's continually getting worse. You know, we're dealing with it. Um, in in California for our clients in California. And there's a lot of stuff out there right now bouncing around, not just increasing taxes, but also making uh, those taxes kind of sticky. So even Mm -hmm. if you go, hey, listen, I don't want to pay taxes in California, so I'm going to move over to Nevada or I'm going to move over to Texas or I'm going to go somewhere that doesn't have state taxes. What they want to have happen is they'll continue to tax your income in the new state for the next 10 years. I read that. How is that even legal? I just think it's one of those things where, you know, they want to make it legal. And in my opinion, if the wrong people are able to uh, make that legal in California, it's going to be very, very painful. I mean, part Mm -hmm. of it is trying to encourage people not to leave because, hey, why leave? You're still going to have to pay the tax anyway, so you might as well stay. So that's one of the incentives. The state is getting obviously hurt by individuals moving. If you're not really making money, then you're not really paying taxes. You don't really have a reason to move. But if you're making good money or you're a big corporation like Tesla, and you're making great money and you're looking at what it's going to look like tax-wise for you, it just doesn't make good business sense or personal sense to stay in the state, no matter how much you love it. Right. There's just so many things going on in California and in other states. And that is why, Kristen, you brought up, you know, the reason that we have accountants on staff and the reason that a big part of our financial planning process is the tax planning uh, is because it really is a, a critical role. I realize there's a lot of uh, financial advisors out there that, you know, frankly, will just give investment advice, you know, take their fee or commission and, mm-hmm. and move on. But that's just one piece of the entire puzzle. The other pieces are 
different types of money that you have. You have IRA money, you have um, maybe trust accounts, individual accounts, joint accounts, that's different money. You may have Roth money, money that's never taxed. The way the money is taxed when you go to access it as income is really, really important in the financial planning process. And then it's also very important as far as how it's invested, how it's going to grow. So most portfolios should be diversified portfolios, but that does not mean that your IRA account should be invested exactly the same way as your individual account or trust account or exactly the same way as your Roth account. It's different types of money that is taxed at different rates or different ways when it comes back out. And you need a very, very specific plan to be efficient there. So I'm not at all surprised that Elon Musk is is moving the company to Texas. There's plenty of workers there. There's low taxes there. And I'm sure it's a good move for the company overall. It's a huge loss for the state of California. But at some point, you know, as these losses start to stack up, what I'm hoping eventually, again, it's hopeful, it's not probable, but what I'm hoping is at some point the state, you know, realizes, hey, listen, we just can't tax everybody into oblivion. They're all going to eventually leave and then there's no tax base anymore. So we, we got to be careful there. But for now, let's just focus on financial planning, helping individuals get efficient in their portfolio, whether you're retired or very, very close to it. Just make sure you're in a good spot here for the beginning of 2021, because it looks like the economy is going to do very, very well. Mm -hmm. You want to be well positioned for that. And there are certain investments when stocks are doing well, there are other investments like bonds that are likely to do poorly. Understand your allocation and how it's likely to react. We can help you with that. But at the same time, if you're retired or very close to it and you're looking to make that transition to retirement, if you don't have one right now or you're not confident in your current plan, give us a call. We'll do a financial plan. We call it a complete financial plan for you. And it'll show you all the steps you need to take and how you need to be invested to be successful in retirement. And very simply, we define success as being able to maintain your current standard of living adjusted for inflation and taxes moving forward in retirement. A complete financial plan, a CFP. You can set that up virtually anytime at guardingyournestegg.com. Undefeated boxing legend Floyd Mayweather is coming out of retirement and returning to the ring in an exhibition fight with YouTuber Logan Paul, who apparently boxes on YouTube to become famous. It's a new way of getting into the industry. And this is happening in February. Reuters' Adam Reed fills us in. Floyd Mayweather, the undefeated boxing legend, is coming out of retirement again, this time to fight the controversial YouTube personality Logan Paul. It's an exhibition fight, and the pay-per-view event is yet to have a confirmed location, but it's scheduled for February 20th, with prices to tune in starting at $24.99. Mayweather's 2015 fight with another boxing great Manny Pacquiao holds the pay-per-view record of 4.6 million buys, contributing to the reported 180 million the American made on his way to winning. By the way, anyone with a British accent always sounds really smart. Number two, <laughs> yeah. Mayweather, you know, he doesn't need the money, but he's certainly excited about the challenge. That's how athletes are. But mm -hmm. Mike, your clients aren't typically sports stars or celebrities. Do regular people here in the U.S. because you've got offices from coast to coast, do they ever choose to come out of retirement or is this mainly a first world celebrity dilemma? Well, I think obviously we're, we're seeing it more first world. And, you know, if you were at one point in time a few years ago as famous as he is and you're able to make as much money as he is just to show up for a fight, kind of can't blame him for doing it. 
you know, it's kind of nice to be in the spotlight again. And it's easy money in some ways. It's not easy to get punched in the face, but it's easy money, right? Our clients, like you said, typically aren't in that situation, but a lot of them will choose to go back to work either because they get bored or, or frankly, they just, you know, need to go back to work financially. There's nothing wrong with that. As far as need to go back to work financially, or maybe just doesn't make sense to retire yet. We're seeing a lot of individuals primarily because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Lots of companies cutting back, you know, pretty much every airline for obvious reasons has been cutting back, not just on pilots, but other staff. So we've been talking to a lot of individuals in that situation where they're being offered, you know, more or less a package. Say, mm-hmm. hey, listen, if you'll accept early retirement, we'll give you this much money on the way out the door. We'll extend your health benefits for a certain amount of time. If there's a pension involved, that's part of the conversation. But there are a lot of individuals taking a look at that going, hey, listen, I've been doing this, you know, 15, 20, 30 years mm-hmm. or sometimes more. Maybe I'll just take that buyout. It's a good deal. And maybe I'll go get another job, kind of start a second career as I'm, you know, kind of finishing up retirement here. So we're seeing that again. Airlines, engineering, I think is a big one. So mm-hmm. I've been talking to a lot of engineers. I know Lockheed Martin's been doing layoffs. Yeah. Um, we work with people that work for... Um, you know, the amusement parks, Disney, mm-hmm. Universal Studios, you go through all of these industries that are having cutbacks in early retirement. So I'd say probably, you know, last year, 2020 and going into 2021, it's a very, very common conversation that we've been having. And bottom line, what we're doing is, is sitting down. Uh, so if somebody's listening right now and they're in the situation, Kristen, what we would encourage you to do if you gave us a call is just, you know, collect that benefits information, all the information that they've given you and told you about what the offer is. And you're wondering if it's going to be enough to retire or what you should do with regards to the offer, what elections you should take. We're going to base it all on what you're looking to accomplish moving forward, compare it to your overall financial plan. Um, But whether that's a sit down at one of our offices or whether it's a phone call, we can build out a financial plan for you based on the benefits that they're offering and the buyout or pension or how much you've got set aside in retirement. We'll start there, build out a complete financial plan for you. You know, Kristen, at least for the people that we've done this for, you know, over the years and they're here recently, I get a lot of satisfaction out of the peace of mind they have because they had a lot of questions about what a transition like that would look uh, like that for them. And once we put it on paper and they understand it, it's really, really helpful. So uh, if you're interested or if you're in that situation, whether it's a layoff or a furlough, or frankly, you just want to go ahead and retire, we'll do the um, analysis of your current portfolio, help you get more efficient. And we'll also do the complete financial plan for you. Mike, how do you help people over the age of 50 figure out where to invest their hard-earned savings that they've socked away all these years? Obviously, there's a lot of different ways. It starts with finding out what somebody's looking to accomplish long term. I mean, if you've got money sitting in cash right now, so maybe it's a, you know, at the bank and a savings account, maybe it's a CD, you know, just just some liquid investment that's considered safe, uh, insured at the bank. What we all know is you're not getting paid anything on that. I mean, you'd be lucky to get 1%. Uh, but if you were earning 1% on your money long term, and you had expenses, unless you just have a ton of money in the account, and 1% gets you where you need to be, you're not going to have the income that you need off of your money, your money is not really working for you. And besides that, it's just not a responsible way to invest. So once we figure out where you need to be as far as average rate of return to accomplish your goals, I think that's a good starting point. So we're going to look at all of the investment options that are available. Obviously, cash isn't going to get us where we need to be. But if we're talking to a more conservative investor that wants to make sure that um, you know they have safety or relative safety in their investments, but they want the highest rate of return that they can get, at this point, we're going to have to look at other fixed options. What options are out there that pay more? If we went to bonds, bonds aren't paying very much. The yields are very, very low. 
The Fed isn't likely to raise interest rates anytime soon. They've already forecasted that they probably won't do it until 2023, although I think that could change with all of this uh, spending from stimulus. But the first thing that we have to do is just find out what you're looking to accomplish and then help people make informed decisions. So I'd say for people out there that are in cash right now, they're probably a little bit leery of putting it in the market. They feel like they've missed the boat. Markets have gone up really fast. We're above 30,000 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And probably the reason the money is still on the side is they're waiting for the big drop. Hmm. Well, it's my job to forecast what is the probability of a drop now or crash versus later. Well, I think you know the probability of a crash here in the near future is, is, is pretty low. We've got uh, super low interest rates. I like hearing that, number one. Okay. Yep. We've got uh, vaccines, uh, not just one, but several and more Mm -hmm. on the way. And they all have a very, very high efficacy rate. Mm -hmm. More and more people are being vaccinated. We have stimulus from the government coming in. And on top of that, just a lot of frustration, Kristen. I mean, people are just tired of not being able to go out. So just imagine this world where, and it's probably several months away, but most people or most people that need it have been vaccinated. Most people have money in their pocket because the government just gave it to them. Uh, (laughs) Interest rates are very low. Suddenly you can go out to eat. You can go to the movie theater. You can travel more in the future. You know, once all of this kicks in, it looks very, very good for the market. So I would say if you've got money on the sidelines, we should probably have a conversation about you don't want to just go invest it anywhere. There are going to be sectors of the economy that aren't going to do well. But even if markets are overbought, bond yields are so low that that's such a horrible alternative. People are likely to continue to buy stocks. Other countries are likely to keep investing in the U.S. stock market. So it's probably a pretty good place to be invested. But Mm -hmm. that being said, invested in the market with some protections, you know, in place, invested in the market with a willingness to get back out. Or maybe you're too aggressive. I mean, the the opposite can be true in a portfolio, Kristen. Maybe you have um, target date funds, you know, something like the 2035 fund or the 2045 fund. Those are probably too aggressive with no active management at this point in time. And they're probably going to have some positions that aren't likely to do well. So let's just be very, very focused on how the portfolio is currently built, where you're currently invested, whether it's cash, whether it's stocks. Let's find the most efficient way to invest that money, meaning highest rates of return, least amount of risk. At least in the near future, I'd say maybe you know next six months, I'm pretty optimistic. I'm not willing to forecast beyond that, Kristen, but if anybody who wants to come sit down and take a look at where they start kicking off 2021 and how to have an efficient portfolio and a written financial plan, we'll do that for you, complimentary. Set that up virtually or at the location that's most convenient to you at guardingyournestegg.com. Tech IPOs are all the rage again, and it has some investors wondering if the companies that made market debuts in 2020 are any different from the ones involved in the 1999.com bubble. Art Hogan is the chief market strategist of National Securities, and he told Reuters, What we were really trying to ascertain is human behavior. And will human behavior change our demand for the services provided by some of these technology companies that have exploded? So, for example, look at DoorDash or dial back to a Peloton or even an Airbnb. Is the demand for what they're offering us right now driven by the fact that we can't do other things? Right. So if I can go back to the gym, am I going to keep using my Peloton bike? If I can actually go to hotels and not need an Airbnb, is my behavior going to change on the other side of the pandemic? And I think that's an open-ended question. My neighbor loves her Peloton bike. <laughs> it's great. I've got one. They're fantastic. I don't use it as much as I should, but they're great. Yeah. Well, Mike, are you looking into these types of tech companies on behalf of your clients, or are you concerned that this could be another tech bubble? Well, I think uh, we're building up to a tech bubble. So, you know, in the past year, we have. So 
different stocks. You know, for example, we've had specifically in client accounts, so things like clients who we invested specifically in, say, Apple or Amazon or, you know, any technology company has done very, very well. Another way that we've done this for clients is just investing in the NASDAQ or, you know, using the uh, ETF, the QQQ. So, yeah, I think certainly over the past year, past several years, tech has been very, very strong. The NASDAQ has outperformed most of the other indices. But is it a bubble? I, you know, we're, we're getting close to it. I think that if you have a lot of tech in your portfolio, you're going to want to take a close look at it because we are sort of in bubble territory. It is overbought and technology companies tend not to necessarily be large cap companies. And I think that some of these tech companies that aren't large cap, uh, or even if they are large cap, may very well underperform the Dow overall and could create some issues moving forward. So I think too much exposure to technology right now, even though I'm a huge advocate of technology, technology tends to be more sensitive, has more of an influence on it based on economic numbers. And so initially spending looks really, really good for the year, but as spending goes down or maybe taxes go up or whatever, it could be problematic. So be very, very careful on the technology side of things. Bottom line, just make sure that whether you're doing it yourselves or you ask someone like us to do it for you, just evaluate your portfolio, understand what's likely to do well here in the beginning of 2021, understand what's likely to do poorly, make some adjustments so that you have a more efficient portfolio. And while you're at it, if you want to have us do that analysis for you, we'll also provide you with a complete financial plan that'll just help you you know, be prepared for retirement. This is Guarding Your Nest Egg Podcast. Mike Lester is a registered representative of and offers securities through World Equity Group Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services offered through Retirement Wealth Advisors. Talent Wealth Management and Retirement Wealth Advisors are separate entities and are not owned or controlled by World Equity Group Incorporated. Mike Lester is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors Incorporated, an SEC registered investment advisor. Talent Wealth Management, Retirement Wealth Advisors, and this radio station are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer to only fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by Retirement Wealth Advisors.